Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Brain Candy Podcast. I am Susie Meister, and here with me today is Sarah Rice. Hi there. <laughs> welcome to the show, episode 154. You haven't been singing this song lately. I want some more. <laughs> That's right. How Instead could I forget? Of, You're a dirty hoa. Yeah. I couldn't go with you that. You kept it positive. I did. Um... People are probably missing the song that you usually sing. Oh, you mean my Hello Friends. <laughs> Welcome once again to the Brain Candy Podcast. It's the best kind of podcast. Cause it's my kind of podcast and it's your kind of podcast. So it's time for the podcast. So let's start the podcast right now. Yes. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, whenever people join the Brain Candy Crush, you probably don't know this, on Facebook, they have to now answer who are the hosts of the Brain Candy Podcast to demonstrate their loyalty. Uh-huh. And uh, the the person that runs the account said that, like, the answers are really funny. Oh, that's great. And she sent me a screen grab of one, and it said something like that. It's like, parentheses, it's my kind of podcast. <laughs> I love when people do that. It's our tagline. I like the hashtags will be like, hashtag your kind of podcast, hashtag my kind of podcast, hashtag our kind of podcast. I love it. Today, I wanted to talk about some uh, reality TV stuff. Oh, we're getting messy. I mean... Stir on the pot and we're serving up some tea. (laughs) I hope we do serve up some tea because people love Mm, tea. mm. They love the tea. Thirsty. I mean, we usually save our tea for the patreon.com slash brain candy. Oh, you're right. We're saying fuck it. Well, well, this will be like a little teaser, right? Yeah. Okay. So... First of all, today when we do our live Q&A, we're going to be watching an episode in which we saw the preview for where Anissa and Veronica have mm. like a weird moment. OMG. Yeah. People were saying to us on social media, they were like, hey, they dated, or, or uh, Veronica and Rachel dated for three years, question mark, question mark. And Susie was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. We knew How was that? that? They were even on shows as a couple. Yeah. Like, how is this underground information? Right. And they were serious. Like, they, whenever I did uh, Viewer's Revenge with her out here in L.A., she was with Rachel. And then we, when we'd go to the hotel for a few days, Rachel would always come. And I didn't know this was a big secret. I guess it was so long ago that people aren't yeah. in the loop anymore. And maybe people thought that the they're hooking up kind of fit into that category of chicks who just hook up on tv and not actual yeah which i wish i wish they would just show more actual what i didn't know though was people were saying anisa and rachel dated is that did i get that wrong because they were saying it's like an x of an x or or some sort of triangle anisa and rachel i think hooked up i don't know if they date well so what's the big deal they did date Something is weird about the Rachel connection because people were saying yeah. that like mm-hmm, that was the mm-hmm. the link between them. I don't know. If you guys watch Dirty 30, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you mm-hmm. probably like get to the brainy stuff. This is weird. <laughs> this is boring. But um, the reason I bring it up is just because once we watch it, we'll know better. But in the Brain Candy Crush, there was this whole conversation about it because on Twitter, Veronica used the term... She said, real great of MTV to promote this clip of, you know, the incident. Right, right, yeah. When I was being almost molested and such and such. And then Anissa apologized. Right. And then 
Veronica clarified and was like, I shouldn't have said molested. Okay. I should have said some, some other word. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what is happening? Yeah. And then people started debating, like, is it, what if that were a guy? Mm-hmm. Like, what would we, how would we be talking about it uh-huh. if a guy was, like, on top of a girl and being like, come on, come on. I don't know. We'll see when we watch oh, it. Oh, we're definitely going to have to watch that with, like, a... Yeah. You know. But it is gross. Not not the, the girl and girl, but the exploitation of all these people. Yeah. But then, you know how Anissa, like, had been calling out... Who was that Jordan. Guy? Jordan. Yes. For his, uh, and so Jordan women. tweeted, hey, Anissa, I expect you to apologize to all the women in the house. Because remember, Anissa uh-huh. told him to apologize. Oh, my gosh. Oh, dang. But she made light of it. Because I thought, okay, let's get, here we go. Yeah. And she made light of it and was like, sort of like, haha. Yeah, I'm going to have to see it because it's it's difficult for me to like put them on the same, in the same category, like Jordan's. Because here's the deal. I know where Jordan's words come from and it's like not he's where does what come from like when jordan goes off on people Mm -hmm. it doesn't come from or like when jordan says things i don't think it comes from like a loving place or i think (laughs) when anisa says it it was coming from not a negative place you know so why do you say that about him because i think when he feels um he gets very defensive, and I think that he's got, like, armor that comes up real fast, and he mm-hmm. tends to... Or, like, I should say he's like a scorpion, and he's got a stinger that he uses as his defense if he feels back against the wall. Yeah. And I think that stinger is, like... What do you think about sharp. him dating Marie? Uh, what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I used the wrong word. Okay, I was Tori. like, stop it. That's <laughs> not going to happen in a million years. Oh, I'm so sorry. Years. That's how rumors get started. Oh, my Tori. God. Well... Don't you remember what I said two weekends ago before we knew that she, like, pro, no, this was probably like three weekends ago mm-hmm. when I was watching the show and I was like, hey. What's going on? You know on? what should happen? Jordan and Tori. You were into it. And then everybody watching was like, don't say that. She's got a boyfriend. And then they broke up and I was like, mm-hmm. Why did you think they should get together? You think they have a good, I, good I just match. think that, yeah. I mean, I think they'll have fun together. I think that they're like, I can see exactly what Jordan likes and Tori and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But. I think that it'll be like a. I, that's horrible. I shouldn't give timestamps on people's relationships. I won't do it. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if I called it to begin with, I should be able to call it. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Do you want to fire up the beatbox? <gasps> okay. Yeah. It's time. Here we go. It's time. Susie's like, looks at me and she nods her head. She's like, it's time. It's, time. it's go time. <laughs> it's time. Here we go. What do we got? Let's get a little, yeah, what do we got? A little percussion. Percussion. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this one sounds fun. Ooh. Oh. It's like beep, an... Beep. It's like... Oh. <laughs> beep, beep. Yeah. It does... It sounds beep, beep. like uh, Miss Pac-Man or something. the car wash. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the car wash, yeah. When you get the right beat, you can sing almost any song to it. <laughs> okay, the first name, first shout-out from Patreon is Becca. Uh, 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 Becca. Uh, 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 my girl Becca, uh, she is so great. She donates money to put some food on my funny and shiny fancy plates. <laughs> Good. Okay. Next one is Kira. 
Mm. Kira. Kira. She is so great. Oh, I already used that one. Can I use that? <laughs> She's got that. I got to think of another word, another adjective that sounds like great. She is the best. Better than the rest. Mm-hmm. Put money in my pocket with that Patreon, and I'll love you all the rest of the day long. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. Uh, Becca, you're so great. That was complicated. I was went Kira. right back to the great. That oh, was Kira. <laughs> Becca gets two. Boy, Becca. Okay, Kira, I forgot about you. Oh, my God. How about Celeste? Oh, Celeste. Her name reminds me of a diamond in the sky. You also fly. My girl Celeste. <laughs> Her name would rhyme with better than the rest. Okay, there you go. That was it. That was mm. where it was meant to be. Uh, and then uh, the uh. last one for today, Jacqueline. Oh, wrapping it up. Ra- with Jacqueline. <laughs> My girl Jacqueline. She fine and sin. That Jacqueline. <laughs> I bet you win. Mm-hmm. My hurt if she keeps on donating to Patreon from the very start all to the end of this song, and I say goodbye. Good, 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 good. That was good stuff. <laughs> good stuff today, Sarah. <sighs> I always have, like, an adrenaline rush afterwards <laughs> where, like, I don't really know what to do myself. My hands are kind of shaky. I'm real nervous, and I'm like, damn, that was the worst one ever. And then I listen to him back. And I can't stop laughing. And I'm like, you're ridiculous. It's interesting how human beings have different things that they're that make them nervous. Uh-huh. Like, I would never do what you just <laughs> did, ever. But I remember when we did our live podcast, you told me you were nervous. So nervous. And that doesn't affect me in any way, like going up on stage in front of people. But you couldn't do a shout out with a people. Never. <laughs> Because you got to rhyme and the rhythm. Oh, like, not really. I never, they don't rhyme. They're terrible. That's it. I, well, I think on the so last one, I talked about Sydney being a cut and rhymed her name with a country in Australia because it's just most of the first thing in my head. And the worst is I look around this room and I keep seeing the same pictures. So yeah. every week, a picture will remind me of something and I'll just sing about the same song over and over. Well, so, you do a great job. You know, no press if you ever want to switch roles. <laughs> I do not. Okay, good. Um, okay. So. I read, first of all, yeah. I read about this, you know how Japanese shows are weird? Go on, yes. And like, yeah, they have we weird game shows yes. and I don't understand any of it. Oh my God, my favorite one was where you used to have to go and put yourself in the exact position of like the cutout that was going to slide. There was like a sliding cutout and you had to like position your body in the right shape <laughs> or else you'd get, kind of like, you know how operate, or a, uh, uh, yeah, operation, the shape has to fit inside the shape. Like, yes. you're basically doing that with your body. And then this big thing comes sliding, for, like a wall comes sliding forward. And if you're not in the right shape, it pushes you right over into the water. It's hilarious. That's clever. Yeah, it's real cute. But it's super people. weird. Totally weird. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah. Well, they also have a show. And the name of it is, I think I'm going to get this right. It's, oh, dang. It's like, it's basically, this is not... No kids should do this. Something like that. Oh. Something like don't that. Don't try this at home? No, but it's about kids. Okay. Like, don't, this is not this. meant for kids Got or something it. like that. Yeah. But the, here's the premise. Oh, okay. They smell each other's buttholes. <laughs> what? What is, is happening, Richard? Happening right now. Smelling buttholes. Stop it. Yes. At, wait. Okay. Yes. Question. Yes. What is the goal? There, there has to be a... a, a I literally is, know only that much. <sighs> Susie. It, it was a... Drop 
Well, it was, I was reading an article that I'm going to talk to you about, Oh, but this was a sort of mentioned as the fact that... Who casually mentioned sniffing buttholes in an article? It was making the argument that the reality shows that a country has are reflected, are reflecting something that's happening culturally. Oh, I would agree with that. I don't know what the buttholes is. what the heck is happening there? But like, um, after Brexit... Uh, certain shows in England became popular that were like, like Survivor type things, oh, and like um, I see what you mean. When something's going on in the cultural landscape, yeah, that it inspires a certain response. Doomsday prepper shows, yep. Or I can think about all escapism, the ones that are, whatever. That are on right, yeah, 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 totally. yeah. And so they mentioned this one, and I thought, uh, I need a little more information. Yeah. I- I really am nervous to Google. I just don't understand. Buttholes. Adam was like, "What's the big deal?" Like, you know, what, what do you people mean? Are into different things. And I'm like, into them is one thing. Putting a whole show about it is another thing. Like, if you're into sniffing bee holes, then that's your business. Yeah. But if you want to watch a show about it, then I got real problems. Uh, yeah, I do too. But you know what? It reminds me of. Oh God, no. Is it called Kiss My Ass? The ass game? It's <laughs> Japanese game show ass game. And that might be a different one. Oh, God. This what is if a there whole were more? ass thing. Butt in face machine. Holy shit. Literally. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, so many of those words. Uh, but there, I was looking up something that we were going to talk about on a podcast. This, that's so freaking weird. Uh, I can barely think of what I'm going to say next because all I can think of the images I have of the thing i just googled mm-hmm. uh so we were talking on another podcast okay no seriously i seriously don't even know what i was gonna talk about because <laughs> well, here's I, what, I made the mistake of Google. here's what, what i want to talk even about. Talking about what i want to talk about is how i got a new watch oh my god and it's beautiful that's really putting a prettier picture in my head than what i had <laughs> thank you and i it actually makes me i've always been a watch person mm-hmm and it made me sad whenever they become sort of obsolete because everyone has a phone and so people like right, stopped getting into so stylish. I'm wearing yeah, them right now. Right, you're a watch person too. Yep. And so I am very excited about my new watch and it's by a company called Movement Watches and it was a company created by two guys who uh wanted to have a nice watch but didn't want to pay 500 bucks at the department store and so they created this line of watches that are super sleek and chic and elegant, but that they don't cost a million dollars. They start at just 95 bucks and they sell them online. So they cut out the middleman and they are so beautiful. I'm going to post a picture on, they're on my gorgeous. Instagram. They're gorgeous. I love them. And their Instagram I follow because they're so, they're how I get all my styling. Right. Right. And um, if you go today, you can get 15% off with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash bcp. It's a watch that has a really clean design. Seriously, I keep getting compliments on it ever since I started wearing it. And it's the time for you to step up your watch game. Oh, yeah. Or get one since a a lot of you guys think you don't need one because you have your phone. It's not enough. Make a style statement for Pete's sake. <laughs> Go to mvmt.com slash bcp. Join the movement. It's very cool. 
Okay, now I remember what I was going to talk about. Good, see? About the smelling buttholes thing. I, <laughs> uh, it made me think God. of something that I was researching for a previous podcast that I had since forgotten about, but I really wanted to bring up. What? Uh, have you ever heard of these pheromone parties? No. Okay, so talking about smell, there's a lot of science that came out, and with like trends on it as like cultures move forward, there's a, there was some science that came out, I don't know, a couple of years ago, uh, on how we can identify our mate by just their pheromones yeah. and their, just their smell. So somebody was like, I wonder how I can make money off of this and turn this into a dating thing. So there are parties or there, there are these like dating parties events. that are events that yeah. are hosted. Um, they have them all over the place. And you wear a T-shirt for three nights. You sleep in the shirt. You put it in a plastic bag. Like a pink bag for girls, boo bag for boys. We'll, you know, we'll let go uh, of that. Yeah, we'll let go of that. <laughs> uh, that's not the first thing that's wrong with this party. <laughs> and and then you go to the party, and they're placed on the table, and everybody can like leisurely like walk around, and, like smell the bag, and then if you like a bag, you take a picture next to it, and then you're like, if they're if you're matched with the person that equally likes your. Like there's, it says that there's a Facebook album that's created and all the pictures are tagged. So if you've missed your match at the party, you can still contact them. And then it's supposed to like, you know, because smells are that maybe your brain knows who you should be with. And like, you can smell who you should be with better than you can, you know, actually pick. Wow. I would not do that. I mean, here's the thing. I read about how (laughs) pheromones change when you're on birth control. Correct. So, to me, it's sort totally of... Totally a good point. Yeah, like, if you're on birth control and a guy loves your pheromones, well, then when you go off, your pheromone mm-hmm. scent will be different. And so I'm, like, thinking this is not... And oddly, you're more attracted to a person who's genetically closer to you yeah. if you're on birth control. Right. Ew. Ugh. 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 So don't be on birth control. No, I'm not. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I'm yeah. fine. It's fine to be on birth so. control. No, I'm, I'm to- I to- the- yeah, we're totally freaking for kidding. For the pheromone yeah, for goodness thing. Sakes. Like, it's yeah. like... Doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what do you think is, uh, mm, what? I was gonna say classier, <laughs> but that's like the wrong word. People would get mad at me. Like Tinder or oh, pheromone right. party. Oh, um, I gotta go Tinder on this one. Yeah, because well, how people use Tinder is none of my biz. Right, Tinder in itself. If they're itself using it as is. a hookup app, that's their problem <laughs> or not problem yeah right right but right, right. you know i think the premise is kind of cool okay fair. but uh let me get to this story okay oh yeah please so i kept seeing um the headline of this article um in the new yorker about a reality show called eden eden like the garden of eden uh-huh. and this is going on in Brit- britain and they wanted to make a a reality show where they like restart society. Uh-huh. Got it. So they found a piece of land and they're like, it's not survivor where you get a few things. It was just like, here you go. Do you want to start your life over? And they sent these people to the the place and they did give them seeds. Oh, okay? okay. And they picked a spot where you can, collect uh, or fish for mackerel in the spring and you can hunt for deer in the winter but they pretty oh, much nice them. gave them nothing else but they let you bring stuff like you could bring a backpack full of supplies or uh, tools or whatever and they can't figure out you know 
what, why this didn't work out. It's basically turned into like Lord of, what's that yeah, called? Yeah, uh, Lord the of Flies. Flies. Yeah. Where? Well, have they decided, like, has their, they established a leader and laws? No. Like, it was, so many. it started out pretty good where they were trying to do that, where establish like, this will be your job, this will be, but ultimately it became about who was the strongest and let, they even had a group of men <sighs> that were trying to starve out the weaker ones. Starve out. Oh my God. Right? And so it turn, it devolves very quickly. Here's my theory on part of the reason why it's a flawed uh-huh. premise. Uh-huh. So part of the problem is they miss their families. They have no contact. This was a whole year that they Forget were doing Forget it. No, you have to. It to, to, no. to start over society, to mimic that process, you would be able to mate and have babies and develop a family and there needs to be a goal of the society like you have to be like moving towards yeah and, and you, ha- you pair off you make yeah. families and you have a society uh, right a society and this was just like survivor but shittier yeah and the there was a weird dilemma because production really didn't want to be involved at all like in producing it they just wanted to let things uh-huh. happen uh-huh. but then People quit because it sucks and they want to go back to their normal life. Right. You can't and so hold then them there. It's not a freaking jail. Someone would leave and then they'd be like, you should come back, you know? And then the person would be like, I want to call my mom. And so they'd let them call their mom and then they'd go back to camp and then everyone would be like, you got to call your oh, mom. Oh, that doesn't work. Right. For goodness sakes. That was flawed from the get go. And like people would quit and then they'd go down the road to a pub and drink and eat and then they'd come back. There's a reason why we have had 30 something challenge seasons and it's on lockdown as strong as it is after third because oh don't you think production learned their lessons along the way these guys just were idiots and and like had no rules and no nothing from the start. i think i i feel like in terms of the challenge and the way that it has changed in terms of the rules and the what how it's structured that that wasn't so much in response to like the cast as much it was in response to the panic that they have when they think they aren't getting enough story, mm-hmm. even when they are. Right. Like there's plenty of story, but they just think the story needs to be more scandalous and edgier and crazier. Uh-huh, uh-huh. When their bar for what's entertaining cha- keeps getting changed, right. then they right. had to change the circumstances to facilitate crazier stuff to happen but then they lock down rules like no going out no like you know we used to be able to right go out in the town without yeah and, you know people ended up and in the why hospital. do you think they changed it a lot like liability they can't rein in every they can't like keep track of everybody you think that's why I mean, for some, yeah, some I of guess it. in part, yeah, yeah. But also, I, mean, I think when you part have somebody, of them, who, you're like, where the heck did this person go? And then you find them in the hospital. You're like, okay, <laughs> maybe need to change the rules, and you can't go out by yourself. Yeah, but like that's my one of my gripes about production is yeah. that that when they screw up, they punish the cast oh, instead absolutely. of finding ways to do it better. Right? They just are like, well, then you just can't do that anymore. Yeah. Instead of being like, what can we do to make this a better and more efficient? situation um because to me the rules were just like a panic like 
They totally are like that. It seems like that. You can't leave the house yeah. because then you might meet someone outside the house that you like to talk to and right. blah, 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 blah. And then drugs and then blah, blah, blah. Have yeah. you heard about that show Jungle Town? No. So Jungle Town was, it was on uh, Viceland because like, I watch that all the time. And it's about a filmmaker who starts like, decides they want to build a perfect town. Like, they find a place in Panama in the jungle, and it's like the person dreams of, like, you know, starting a civilization in this sacred land, and it's basically the same thing happens. Oh. Like, Lord of the Fly shit. Right. Like, you know, it's like people are, get upset because, you know, some people have money and some people don't, or, or, like, have, like, can bring in other resources and some people can't, and then some people are, like, getting really sick, and then there's, like, one person, I just remember watching the the trailer for it and she was like my depression has just come back and it's so bad and like when you're taking normal people and putting them in these it like did the not movie, go the well village yeah it did not it didn't go well. well so and one of the reasons some people were getting mad on the british show eden was that they were separated from uh society by just like a fence which was on a walking path and so People would sneak in. No. Yeah, and they'd be like, hey, can you throw me some snacks? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is so poorly planned. Yeah. I mean, they wanted to have a beautiful landscape, which they got, mm-hmm. but they had to be in close proximity to actual people living in the world. It's yeah. just a mess. And it. I hate when producers act like, what? We just thought this would be really interesting and like people could start fresh. And fuck you. You did not. You knew exactly what would happen. And maybe, yes, they could assign each other jobs and it would be a utopian experience. But really, that's what you thought? They've tried this with a few. There was another show called, I think it was called Kids Town. Are took... you kidding me? I love Kids I Nation. I did too, and I, they did really well. Why didn't it come back? Dude, those, oh my God, I guess just got chills. The kids did better than the adults did on stuff. Kid? Like, if you, like. If you took the adults and put them in the same setup, adults turn into Lord of the Flies and kids turn into a running... It did like, such a good job. They did great. I mean, they had their problems. Mm-hmm. As to, but they, but they worked them. through them. <laughs> I loved Kid Nation and I wondered why it didn't come back, but it must have been something to do with legal stuff. Yeah, or like long-term consequences of like what happens. Or also, it could be... It could be a violation because kids on camera are only allowed to work, I think it's six hours a day. And they have to have a teacher on set and they have to be braked at certain, you know, (laughs) child abuse laws and those kind of things. Right. But for for what? What do they call it? Child labor. Child labor. Child labor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was such a great show because maybe certain reality shows at least pretend, I don't know if it's real or not, to want to be inspiring. And Kid Nation really did aim to create a thing where, like, these kids rose to the occasion. Yes. And I would love to have a behind the scenes on how they managed that and what they had to do for the kids. And yeah. if you were on Kid Nation oh my or... my gosh. <laughs> we have to find some videos on Kid Nation. I know. We can I've find Googled them. We can them. do that. And there's some that are you can find, but... There were so many people. There was like, yeah. I don't know, 30 kids on that show. I remember being very impressed with some of them. Like, yeah. that person's going to run They stuff. were so many decent, good kids <laughs> that we have don't probably ruined <laughs> right. by putting them on television. Yeah. Um, okay, so I wanted to bring on a guest today. 
named Caitlin Brodnick, who wrote a book called Dangerous Boobies. <gasps> cool! Uh, breaking up with her time bomb breasts. Uh-huh. She had the gene that not Angelina cool. Jolie jo- had. Yes. And she had to make the choice of whether or not to keep these babies. Taking time bombs. And her book is so good. I knew our audience would love it. And she's a stand-up comedian, so it's not, like, heavy reading. It's very fun. Um, And I was saying to her when I did the interview, I wish I would have seen her comedy before I read the book because I watched it after, and I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have imagined she talked like this. She's, like, very chirpy and fun. And she, you'll hear in this interview, there was a moment we were doing it via FaceTime, and something happened in my house where this a door slammed and it like you can't hear it on the audio very well but i was like i startled yeah and she one of the reasons that she was so troubled by this whole uh gene mutation is that everyone in her family was dying from breast mm-hmm. cancer and mm-hmm. cancers in general and so without skipping a beat she started making this whole bit about how this was a ghost was her aunt and it was i was doubled over in laughter like i tried to stay composed because i thought we'd move fast past it we didn't we (laughs) We stayed there for a sec and i was dying i thought this woman is so witty and i'm always so impressed when people can think of shit like right off the top of their head and she is every bit as charming as the book is so and it's a good, you know, a good question to bring up. Like, what would you do if you had that mutation? They're gone. Bombs away. Bomb, definitely. But then really? mine are tiny. I'm not that attached to them to begin with. So I bet it would be different if a lot of my identity was wrapped up in right. my breasts. Well, hers were a size G. Okay. There, see? Oh, my God. That means a lot. Yeah. That's getting rid of a significant portion. I mean, me, it's like they're tossing out, like, you know two little turkey meatballs in the trash no big deal (laughs) in the trash but that no way that's like a big part that's a big literally and and figuratively is a big part of you and she does this bit about how when she would have sex her breasts would clap for her (laughs) (laughs) and i could see how you miss that applause you know but the book is fascinating because it explores the decision to do it what it's like to do it then the, if you choose to have reconstruction, what that's like, you get to choose the size of your breast. Right. You get to choose what kind of nipples. Oh my gosh, does she go back to, does she have big ones again? Or does she go meet like, oh, that's right. really, there's a lot of questions. Yeah, because, you know, you don't think about this stuff no, you until don't. you're forced to. And then she was like, dang, uh, her commentary on nipples is hilarious. Like how, what to choose. She couldn't, you know. It's so great. And, oh, she's so funny. It's a great, really funny interview, but it's also a really, really good book. Um, But one thing that's an easy choice to make is to get clear skin. Oh, the easiest decision (laughs) I've ever made. Um, As you guys know, I am a believer in bioclarity. It is a system that is natural without harsh chemicals for your skin and it's derived from natural ingredients, green tea, oat kernels. Come on. What am I even talking Like, that's amazing. All the good stuff. So it's soothing, but it's also effective. And now, I was telling Sarah last time, they added another step that you can use yes. if you want, the BioClarity Hydrate. If you happen to have skin that's drier, this is the Skin Smoothie. 
with Floralox. Mm. Softens and hydrates your skin. So if you want to try it, go to bioclarity.com and get your first month for only $9.95 plus free shipping, which is a $20 savings. And it comes with a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee when you enter our code BRAINCANDY. It's bioclarity.com. Enter code brain candy Mm, so please listen to this interview and check out the book um dangerous boobies by caitlin brodnick she is so funny and great welcome caitlin hi welcome to the show we were we had a dog walker incident but you're here now hi (laughs) caitlin brodnick is here everyone should read her book called dangerous boobies breaking up with my time bomb breasts i'll show it so you guys can see it um i finished your book i I'm really intrigued by your story, and I think oh. I'm intrigued by you as a human being, too. I was watching videos of you after I read your book, and I'm going to tell my listeners to watch them before so they can, like, hear your voice whenever they... Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just I thought, oh, this isn't how I thought she would be. It was like a different style. Yes, thought, it was. Ooh, I wish I would have... So people should watch the videos of you being hilarious and then read this great and insightful book. So... Thank you. (laughs) Give them the scoop on why you wrote the book. What's the deal? Okay. So I came from, I wrote this book because I needed this book when I was Mm. going through all everything. I just, um, I came through a family that was like riddled with breast cancer and my dad's the only surviving person in the family right now. Um, His, both sisters, both parents all died of cancers. And I was born nine months after my aunt died at 32 from a very bad battle with breast cancer. And so I was born in my family. It's the Jewish tradition to be like, the next born is the next like reincarnation of the last person who died. Oh my God. And they were like, yeah. And it was just like, I really understood the extreme risk of cancer and that we should be afraid and take it very seriously. And so as I got older and older, I went through puberty, my boobs got bigger and bigger. And they were just like this constant reminder of like, they could kill me. They're too big to handle. And when am I going to die of cancer? That was always my thing. Really? Um, In your mind is sort of just the inevitable. Mm -hmm. And like, I really thought about death a lot as a kid, like a lot, a lot. And I had like a bunch of funerals I'd have to go to growing up and, um, my parents and my family always talked about my aunt who died and how awful and how soon it was. Um, and health and like body was really important in my family. So I was just like very aware, very young. And I used to, I don't even think I put this in the book when maybe I did, when my parents would leave or when anybody would leave, I've had, I'd have to say the sentence, I love you. Goodbye. Like, any time because I wanted that to be their last words. Like when I understood what last words were, I was like, they have to be, I love you. Like we would just be on a conversation and I would be obsessive about saying it to make sure they heard me say it. It's just real insane for like a six year old to be yeah. like that intense. Like well, and it to was have just... the sense that your body could betray you at any moment mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. strange that would be. Cause you, people think of their body as part of who they are, you know, mm-hmm. and yours could at any moment betray you. Yeah. I really never felt uh, only until now recently, I feel like my body's my own, but for a very long time, I felt insanely detached and I just felt like it was in so many ways, it was betraying me. I was like, I went through puberty really young and I thought my boobs were so over-sexualized and I just never felt 
good in my skin. And it was like, for me, it was a combination of like body image and the way my body shape was. And then also like my family history. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like that for every person. And, but I do know a lot of people that have had these sort of like tragedies and tragic family stories of cancer. And they, it's interesting, like some doctors or some medical professionals will say like, well, don't rush into anything. Don't rush into any decisions. And a lot of my decisions were already made through my childhood and growing up in the way that I would address certain things. Um, I think when you find out if you, so what I have is a very high risk of breast cancer because I have a genetic mutation. So everyone has the BRCA gene and my gene is like a broken version of the gene. And the gene helps suppress cancer tumor growth. It's a protein suppressor, which I didn't even know was a thing or anything about it. But I've learned since my experience in writing this book that your body has this automatic reaction to destroy unhealthy cells and support the good ones. So like every cell has a code and should follow that code. And if a cell is kind of going rogue and doing its own thing, your body, your other body cells take care of that and make sure that cell doesn't sort of attack or go out of control. So if you have an autoimmune disease or if you have a cancer, that's when the body isn't necessarily working with in that pattern it's supposed to, or that equation it's supposed to have. Um, and sure, could be said a lot better by doctors. But no, this is like what that's I so understand. interesting. Yeah, I hope I got. I'm sure there's some doctor that's like, well, it's not technically. <laughs> right, right. So, please talk to a doctor. But <laughs> from this girl, <laughs> that's what I understood. And so, I have a high risk be- in my lifetime because um, those that protection isn't there for my specifically my breasts and ovaries. That's sort of where. That's where the science is now. I mean, they might say that the BRCA mutation is also with like armpit cancer. Like, yeah. I don't, there's, there's so many things learning that we're learning. But when I was 26 or 27, they told me I had an 87% chance in my lifetime of getting breast cancer. So that just made, that made me go like absolutely insane. Yeah. And that, it was like the evidence I was waiting for. Like, I was kind of creepily like, I knew all along it would happen. And I knew from the get-go that this was going to be the thing that gets me. Um, and actually it took me a couple years until I decided to get the surgery because I was so nervous and had so many feelings and blocked out the feelings. And I just felt very, very lonely. And so what I was hoping in this book is to like help girls or women not have those years of just like living in the dark. Like if you want to live in the dark, do it. It's great. Like (laughs) enjoy your life. But (laughs) if you want to like talk to somebody or feel like there's a companion on this journey, I was like, we need to have it. And we need to have it in a easy conversational piece. That's not so heavy and medical like medical text, if somebody ever gave me like a breast cancer book or something, I'd like throw it away. I mean, I, I don't want to be bombarded with that. I don't want a sappy breast cancer story. Like I, well, I stuff, feel I like really yours seemed almost like a perfect balance because it feels like there's usually either that heavy story yeah. or then there's this weird fetish of the breast cancer thing where it's like making a light of it almost and yes. like sexualizing the the cancer even. Yes. And like this no. fight to be a survivor, like you're some badass and it's like, maybe you don't want to be a badass. Maybe you just don't want cancer. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's so just like I very simple. Your book really filled a void there is in oh, the story. And, and I think a lot of people will, will value that. And also just that you're so honest, obviously. And mm-hmm. 
the the fact that you come from a comedic background lends itself to honesty, I think, and, and an authentic yeah. approach, which is <laughs> I really can't cool. hide anything. <laughs> Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Thanks. Um, I literally will not hide anything. So the book essentially chronicles your journey of choosing this preventative mm -hmm. surgery and the mastectomy and how fraught that is with your family yeah. history and also just your relationship with your husband and all of that. Did you ever feel like, do you have any regrets about sharing anything? I don't know. I don't have regrets about sharing because it is very therapeutic for me because like, like we were saying, like comedy is very honest. And in my comedy, I do, I do like a storytelling comedically. So I just do true stories <laughs> like the moth, but I like it all to be comedic. And I just think that is like therapy for me to get through something is to laugh at it and talk about it. Yeah. So I did have a friend of mine say like, you've got to do something because you, you'll be too restless. Like for you to sit still and just have an event happen to you without joking about it or commenting on it, or even like saying, isn't this insane? She's like, that is who you are and like what you need to do. And I think at first I was intimidated by it because I didn't want it to be like the, the, the point is, is that I didn't ever have breast cancer. So I did a lot of work to avoid it. And I, but I don't ever want my story and my experience to overshadow or make light or make anybody who's actually gone through cancer feel that their story isn't incredibly important and legitimate. So I was also very timid about like, I'm coming at this at a, with a comedic sense and with some lighter sense, but because I haven't been victim to breast cancer. So there's also a reason that I, can talk about it in this way. Whereas I don't know if I would, if I had had cancer. Mm -hmm. So that was in the very beginning. And throughout the process, I was very, I'm very nervous and very like, um, careful where, where how I speak and how I step, because I don't want to ever offend someone who's had breast cancer. And I've, and I've, like a casual ghost. <laughs> Sorry, ghost got cancer too. And <laughs> cancer of a my dead aunt. Yeah. <laughs> my, my dead aunt ghost. Oh my god. <laughs> she like it. loves it. <laughs> she loves to be a part of things. She's really a ham and died too soon. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Stop it. I, can't I never take met it. her, but I'm sure she's fabulous. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you think, wait, do you think maybe, yeah. that, do you believe in that? Just, I'm just curious. Sometimes I think like, sometimes like it, in car accidents, <laughs> like if I like almost get out of a car accident, I know it's like my poppy is Aww, like watching me nice. because he's like master of the road. I'm sure he'd like some other title, but he's like, I always like say, thank you or say a prayer because he's very good at driving. Oh my God. I have to be friends with you forever. Okay. Yes. Okay. Bye. Wait a minute. So, right. Cause you consider yourself a pre pre-viver, like you never yeah, had cancer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so insightful because 
I hadn't thought of it that way because so much of how you, your identity all those years beforehand, you almost felt like you had cancer, right? Even when you didn't. So then Mm -hmm. when you called yourself a pre-viver, I thought, oh, that's so insightful and is different than being someone with cancer. Yeah. Well, I, um, the organization force F-O-R-C-E came up with it and coined it and titled it. And it's such a pause, like a healthy, positive, active word, like viver, like pre like living and strong. And I really liked it. And it, and for, it's now becoming way more popular, yeah. but in the beginning, like I, people thought I was misspelling something. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad it's like in the ether now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's spread the word. Cause that's a great mm-hmm. way to describe it. And you talk about the strange process of choosing your own breasts so crazy. Yeah. Right. And that it, people will be fascinated to find out all the details when they read your book, because so, uh, one of the things I thought is interesting is like, I, I had a son and then he sucked the life out of my breasts. And so mm-hmm. I got fakers. And Great. when you go in, they do that thing they did to you where they're like, nobody ever says they wish they got them smaller. They almost like, yeah, push you to tell you why why do they do that I don't know I don't know well so with mine I kind of understand because my body was swollen and so because it was a gradual choice I when my body was swollen I liked the way it looked and then as, as my body relaxed from surgery they did look smaller but I also like don't know why they would upsell just like a regular just like wanting great new boobs like why like you know your body. You know what you want it to look like. Right. I don't get and, it. I well, don't get I it. just said, that for the record, I was like, after I have these huge knockers, I'm like, these aren't for me. Mm-mm, but I mm-mm. did it because they were so adamant. So they, well, they this scare you. Time. Yeah. And also, like, you never know. I mean, it's also like they are, like, staring at tits all day. So I was like, right. maybe I don't know. Like, right. maybe I, I, I'm not sure. But they are, like, these experts about boobs and you're kind of like okay well you're a doctor and you're in like a coat <laughs> like a lab yeah. coat so I guess I'll uh, I guess I'll do it but we should it's be scary. like wait we're girls and but... but if you don't like if your boobs are too big you can always change them yeah and always flip them because my doctor always said she was like when you are developing like when you have any sort of implant or anything in you she's like it's how your body handles it and works with it so she was like it's not a final project like I mean a final it's not always like a one-time fits all. And she yeah. is very honest and vocal about like, you can get multiple reconstructions if you need to find the right fit for you. Yeah. And that was sort of like blew my mind. Cause I kind of thought it was like a wham, bam deal. And yeah. You just be happy for what you have and grateful you're not dying and, and move on. And she was like, no, like we're not gods. Like we're just doing what we think. And this is what we suggest, but it could, sorry, my phone, but it could be totally different. Yeah. So I kind of liked that. It was like a much more forgiving way to look at a plastic surgery thing. Right. It's not so permanent and mm-hmm. it's more fluid. Well, and yeah. then you got to pick your nips. Yeah, but you I still like have them? You don't have them? No. <laughs> I couldn't pick and I can't choose a nipple. It's so hard. It's too much power. <laughs> I can't pick a nip. Why? Because you like them all? Yeah, I like everything. And I'm like, I see how like itty bitty titties could look cute, but also like kind of like a child and creepy. And then like, I see how like big ones are like, like sustainable. And like, (laughs) I just like, 
I can't choose. And there's like projections. Like I'm having a very hard time. I can't even choose what to eat for dinner. And like this took me so long. And then my husband was kind of like, look, I was there during your surgery. Like I helped you go to the bathroom. Like the jig is up. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. So you don't even need to pick them, right? No. And and the great thing is, is that like, I don't have to ever wear a bra and it's like smooth. And I, cause if you have fake, if you get the fake nipple, that's like your body tissue in like a compound, you know, sort of like fake thing. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's science, but you always have like a little bit of a hard nipple. Right. Do I, do I want to like bother my future children? Like at the soccer game and like there's hard (laughs) nips, broad nick, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to be this like tit master, but like I <laughs> like my boobs will be cute and high forever, but like I don't want to have like hard on nipples, you know, for yeah. his like graduation party. You know, it's like softer. <laughs> That's the best. Uh, it's a fascinating it's thing. insane. And I imagine, of course, you know, when you're going through it, there's so much more emotion. For the reader, though, it feels like holy it just blew my mind, all of it. I'm so glad because I think that's, uh, that's what I'm hoping because I think the more that the, the problem that I had when I was go- first going through this is that nobody was talking about it. Yeah. And so at all, and like now there's like a little bit, but there's so much conversation about breast cancer and we're so confident about fighting breast cancer, but preventing it and having, for me, it worked really well. Like the whole situation went wonderfully and um, I'm happier now because of it. My life is really good. And so I think Sometimes people are afraid of if you do a drastic decision like that, or if you have a plastic surgery or you change your body, it's this like superstition, like you should be happy for what you had and you're kind of messing with fate and you don't want to rush into crazy decisions. But also like we have science on our side. Um, We have a lot of opportunities that you can actually make your life better. And my peace of mind has completely changed. Like I never think of cancer. My risk, they told me was less than 1%. And I just feel like great. I just, and I, I picked my boob size. Like I just feel better about my body. So I, it's a really happy story yeah. where I wish I had that when I was first started, even if I chose not to have the surgery, which is completely valid. If you decide, you know what, I'd rather have surveillance, which is what they recommend. If you have the gene, they recommend twice a year getting checked for breast cancer um, at a younger age, like starting, I think, at 25. So even if you were somebody like I have a good friend who's happier doing surveillance and she's happy to like go to the doctor and doesn't want to touch her breasts because she loves them, loves their shape, loves their natural everything heft. And um, <laughs> she wants to keep doing that. And I'm like, that's great. But I wish I had even been a part of a conversation when there wasn't that much going on. Right. How do you feel, has your relationship with death, it's, it's changed as well, right? Or not? Yeah, I mean, it, well, I think like, I think sometimes I'm like kind of like a sick person. I'll like be in a car, like we could die at any moment. <laughs> You're just really aware. Like, yeah, I'm just like, death could come. But <laughs> I'm not as like freaked out about my body and like, when I yeah. go to the doctor, I'm not like, they're going to find something. And how am I going to tell my family? What's my funeral going to be like? Like I used to go in those like major spirals mm. of what would happen? How would it be? And, and, um, how, what would, what would I tell my family and how would I break the news? Like I really was going through those worst case scenarios often as when I was younger. Um, and now it's just like, Oh God, I overslept again. <laughs> My words right. are like, I'm late all the time. <laughs> yes. It's well, yeah. it's more 
of the typical person's mm-hmm. dilemmas. Are mm-hmm. we allowed to talk about how you're bringing forth life? Yeah, I'm having a baby. I am so happy for you. <laughs> it's so crazy. Does it, how does it feel? I mean, because it, it, it has feels... to relate to that situation. Yeah. Well, so it feels like pretty incredible. And I think there's, I don't think I realized this as much, but I thought like, because I had the BRCA gene, because I removed my breasts, you know, there's less estrogen in my body. And I was like, I think it's going to take a longer time to get pregnant. And I had a lot of friends who had had trouble and, um, I'm 32, but I had friends even my age that had multiple miscarriages or, or took them a very long time to get pregnant. And I was like, okay, you know, I kind of gambled with my body. I made this amazing change. Like maybe it'll be hard. And it was literally at the immediate. <laughs> wow. Like, you're super fertile. Way too soon. <laughs> yeah. Oh my I was God. Like, what? Like even without tits, you can make lots of babies. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. But no, it was no breastfeeding, nuts. obviously. No breastfeeding. Did- and I'm a little like, there were moments, there were like hormonal early pregnancy moments where I was like, I said to my husband, like, oh my God, I'm a terrible mother. I'm not even a mother yet. And I'm going to mm. feed him like formula with sugar. And he was like, Kate, like you've, you made this decision. We spent years making it like, you know, it's okay. You know, it's going to be fine. Like I just had a, like a anxious pregnant moment, but I think that's happened twice. And then otherwise I never think about it. And I've become like, I've recently bought like 16 different newborn baby bottles on Amazon. Cause I'm like, he's going to oh be God, you know, feeding. So I'm like, purchasing so much money, <laughs> uh, like so many bottles. And my friend from Holland said she would ship me like Holland formula because it's like better milk. <laughs> so. That is so cool. Yeah. Because yeah. I can understand having that moment where you're like, you know, you have to come to grips with what it will look like when you have the baby yeah. and you have to feed a certain way. But, but then to forgive yourself and to say, no, I did the right thing. Cause now I will be alive. Yeah. For that's this the kid. thing too. Yeah. He's never going to have to worry about me getting cancer, breast cancer. And he's never gonna have to worry about all of those insane things that I had. And he's just going to probably have a mom that like talks about her boobs way too much and it's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and she lets, strangers like feel her implant to be like oh this is soft so I mean we're gonna mess him up in another way but it's just not gonna be my way (laughs) well I'm really really happy for you and it really is a a happy story and I also think people especially women often Mm -hmm. have complicated relationships with their body and with breasts so you really gave a beautiful voice to that experience. Thank you. I'm so glad. I, I really appreciate it. I think that was, that was a big part also that my editors and what I really liked about writing this book is that you're sharing your story and then you have editors and you have agents and you have other people that you trust. And they say like, you know, Caitlin, this is also a really important part to talk about sexuality and to talk about your breasts and how men treated you. And there were certain parts that I think we all do this when we're telling a story. We're like, ah, that's not that important. Like, "Eh, it's just like being a woman. And people are like, no, please explain. (laughs) Yeah. Explain that because that's really humanizing and relating, relatable. So it was fun to also put everything out there and then have people that I really trust, really like amazing minds and like amazing women say, well, we need to hear more about this part of the story because this is what more women want to hear. And so that it was cool to learn that as well. Like, I think sometimes, I think all of us as women, like you were like, I'm apologizing. Like, I don't want to do too much. I don't want to talk too much about myself in a memoir. 
<laughs> right, but it's like, no, really, please do, because you yeah. can all benefit from from your experience. So thank and you. And people want to know. I mean, like that's. I just kept thinking, like, there were definite times where, like, I never thought of myself as like a writer. I, I, I'm a comedy writer, but I never yeah. thought of myself as like smart enough to write a book. And I would have a lot of like tough times. And then my husband would be like, you're not writing this for you. You're yeah. writing this for the girl who's, who's just as nervous and like is about to go into surgery and wants to like figure out if she should get her nails done or a bikini wax. <laughs> like yeah. you need to talk about very, the things that women care about and family and life after and sex after surgery. And so that helped me a lot through the process of like, anytime I had a doubt, I was like, okay, it's not about me. Like yeah. I'm writing it for this girl well, or this family. You succeeded. You did a great job. Oh, thank you. So congratulations. It's a real accomplishment to write a book. So it's, it's insane. It's yeah. Really insane. Now you're making a baby. It's a whole thing, I, but a lot of things are being made. I don't even know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We love you. And we hope everybody thank reads you. dangerous boobies. It's fantastic. Thanks. Thank Caitlin. you so much. This is lovely. Have a great day. You too. Talk soon. <laughs> okay. Good. Bye. Bye.